Yeah, good. Jason, what's up, my man? Welcome to the Combat Podcast. Well, thanks, Miles. It's good to be here with it, you and Sal. It's awesome to have you here, man. And and um, thank you so much for the new partnership between Combat and Ellie Gear. It's so much ex- excitement and so many cool things on the horizon for us. And yeah, absolutely, mate. Well, it's a perfect union, right? It's um, you know, so uh, you're you're into the combative sports, and we really want to delve into to that in a big way because that you know it crosses over into you know all of our um, you know I suppose our partners and customers and you know, law enforcement, military, you know, what you do is just an intrinsic part of what they, they do in, in a slightly different context. But, yep. And then I'm really passionate, you know, with um, making sure that some decent nutrition goes into them as well. You know, having been out on the road doing, you know, you know 16-hour shifts and, uh, and the such and just taking the easy road, you know, at times and pulling into Maccas and, you know, and having that sort of food intake, over, you know, back in the early days. So, you know, really keen to sort of push the passion that you guys have for, for really appropriate sort of energised food that's going to be healthy and, you know, and it's going to reach the right people and hopefully they'll gravitate to it from, from that point of view. Absolutely. Brother, tell, tell, uh, tell our audience about you and, and give them a little bit of a, an insight into, uh, into uh, what makes the man that is Jason Sam. <laughs> <laughs> you want to put everyone to sleep? <laughs> <clears throat> Well, um, pick the best know. parts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You always cherry pick, right? Um, you know, basically, um, you know, currently the general manager for LE Gear, which is a division of Australian Defence Apparel. Um, so, you know, so Australian Defence Apparel, you know, um, basically clothes about 500,000 people a year, you know, around various contracts in Australia, but obviously predominantly um, focused on the Australian military, New Zealand military, uh, and some significant police forces in New South Wales police. Um, is one um, you know prior to the position I'm in now um, I'll work backwards you know um, I was a like a senior instructor in the Middle East um, with their with their military I was very blessed to be um, with a, just amazing um, you know skills and, and brains trust of the guys it was literally it was people from those dudes from you know every special forces unit around the, the world and cherry picked guys so you, you weren't there by chance you know you're tapped on the shoulder and you know hey would you like to come and work here so you know you got to validate yourself and you guys know how important that is in your field you know so it's not just about like turning up to work and um we, we need more than that you know so to be able to validate your skills from from all the years of work uh and you know i'd worked with all the, a lot of those units over the years operationally um but to be there in that context where you're delivering really high-end you know, mentoring and training to, you know, the the UAE guys and and and, and some other um, recipients. It was it was quite um, it was awesome. It was like this perfect storm of, you know, experienced guys and 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 training methodologies, and it was just amazing. Just loved it. You know, so prior to that, I was um, I was in a sniper team with the Australian Federal Police. Um, we had a very unique, specialised unit. Um, you know, originally the operational response group. So it was it was basically generated to um, provide um, a tactical response in Australia um, and overseas, depending on what the Australian government's requirements were. You know, so you know when I say unique, there's not too many law enforcement groups in, around the world. You know, besides maybe you know HRT in the US and a couple of um, pretty high end ones in Europe that are deploying out of their country um, and supporting. You know, we're supporting military 
to a degree. You know, we're, we're, we're not out there on the, you know, at, at the front of the, the queue, if you want to do that from a combative point of view with the Australian military. Um, we're just sort of embedded and helping out at, at, in, in time. So I was in, deployed to Afghanistan with, um, embedded with um, Special Forces Group, which was fantastic. Amazing group of dudes and girls that are um, in that, you know, in that um, sphere. Um, yeah, just like a really unique. So Solomon Islands, um, Afghan, uh, Philippines, PNG, um, you name it. We were sort of there in the background. Timor, you know, assassination attempt on the, the prime minister over there. Boom, straight over in, you know, three months. Like I was trying to sell my house at the time, so it was perfect timing, <laughs> right? <coughs> um, you know... You know, before that, um, I did a little bit of um, private uh, contracting in Iraq. You know, so there was a there was a probably a you know um, this unique once in a lifetime sort of um, you know phenomenon that took place back in probably w- when they invaded Iraq. So pr- the, the private contracting really kicked off about two thousand and three in in some level of force. You know, where guys from my units, you know, the, the Australian military and Australian police tactical groups were sort of gravitating. And it was all about, it wasn't just about the money. There was really good money to make over there. But once again, it was about validating yourself in an environment, you know, obviously you know, it was a full, you know, um, war zone. You know, it was continuing. Um, so to, to be able to go there and validate your skills amongst your peers and then, you know, with a proper threat you know, 360 threat that's around at all times was just an amazing um, opportunity as well. Um, apart from some of the um, amazing um, results we got in the gymnasiums over there as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People say, what's your most resounding memory from being in Iraq? And I was like, I'm pushing 200 kilos on the bench. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't matter where you are, the boys are like, all right, we've got to set up a gym, you know. Or, um, yeah, I mean, uh, the... Uh, Prior to that, um, New South Wales Police in the Tactical Operations Unit, just an awesome place to work. Sydney, you know, we obviously looked after quite a, we're in the largest law enforcement um, group, being New South Wales Police, which is the largest law enforcement group, sorry, um, pretty much in the Southern Hemisphere. I think it's the second largest police force in the world. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, and then so, you know, this, like if you look at the US, there's 17,400 law enforcement agencies so you know um but they're anywhere from like four officers you know through to probably LAPD NYPD they got the bigger chunks and then like um you know California um the sheriffs and there's quite a large number of them um but realistically in New South Wales there's a volume of cops working in one agency it's second largest in the world so um yeah the pleasure of looking after New South Wales for a long time um Sydney Olympics, you know, we did the counterterrorism response for that. Yeah, wow. Melbourne Commonwealth Games, CT response for that. So, you know, amongst all the, the normal domestic, you know, sieges and stuff that you guys would have seen on the news, you know, we had the those pretty high-end um, opportunities as well, which was fantastic. Um, prior to that, you know, good old uniform policing um, with New South Wales before I was in the, the TAC teams. I sort of gravitated in that tactical units pretty quick. Um you know, I, I literally spent about two years in uniform, and in, in that uniform, a bit of plain clothes stuff in there as well. But um, you, you have to have that that sort of exposure in your back pocket if you're going to be 
doing anything in law enforcement. It's so so important to have the the basics in there and that, that policing understanding. Plus, it's awesome fun. You know, when I, everything's just every time you do a shift because you're only like a young bloke and you turn up, going, man, what can happen today? Because it's literally anything you can. You know, you you'd tell stories and people go, "You're kidding! You just made that up." And I go, "Nope, that's <laughs> like 100 percent correct." And yep. it's you know, so it was exciting. You know, yeah. um, had its moments as well, obviously, because I got stabbed in a very <laughs> early period of that. Um, yeah, so that was a that was a that was a bit of a baptism by fire. Um, it's funny because we. When we came out of the police academy, my, my grouping, it was like um, Friday the 13th. And I, was, I actually said it. I was, probably probably shouldn't have. I jinxed myself. But, you know, Friday the 13th, who came up with this date? <laughs> surely it's, surely we could have done it on another day. But um, something will have to come of it. And then literally two weeks later, I'm lying in the gutter and watching my blood just, you know, flow down the, flow down the gutter going, oh, my God. So it was me. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, so that was a uh, that was a uh, you know a bit of a crazy. We can talk about that. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah, the uh, and before that, I was um, I did I found myself doing mechanical engineering. Wow. You know, out of out of school, I got into university, but it was doing something that would be the least um, appropriate for me, which was at the time was um, a bachelor of law in administration. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so I would have been really good at that one. <laughs> no different to Miley over here. Yeah, yeah. That's law and administration. I did law. I did law, but. There was nothing boring about the history of of, of you just then. <laughs> quite o- quite the opposite, in fact. <clears throat> and what I found it's interesting is every single sort of like position that you've had, you were like, "Yeah, it was freaking awesome." You know, we we're in Afghanistan, we were deployed in the, into this war zone, and all these sorts of things, and you, your face was lighting up, mm. and it was just you was just excitement. Yeah. I I don't know. Maybe this is just coming from me, but that sounds terrifying. But Obviously, you obviously you were built for this. Like, do, do you think that this is something that you were just primed for? And and you know, when you you go into a war zone, you're not sitting there freaking out. You're sitting there going, "All right, I'm going to make an impact here. I'm gonna, I'm I'm cool. We're we're gonna we're gonna do our best. We're gonna go in there. We're gonna get the job done." Yeah. H- how does your how does your mind work? And and has it evolved over time to to come into these situations of, you know, intense, like risk life or death risk and it just doesn't seem to phase you yeah <clears throat> you know it's an interesting question and you know like i think everyone sort of evolves as, as you know into you know certain characters along the pathway of life right but um you know if i look back def- definitely there was intrinsic parts of what i did organically that transferred over naturally later so you know like if you go back to when you know my pop you know it was it was just my, my full mentor in life, really big guy, just, um, but big, um, it, you know, if he needed to be, you know, that that force in life, he could be, but the rest of the time is this gentle, balanced individual. Who I just met my brother and I and my sister just looked up to him as a, he was our father figure, just an amazing dude. But, you know, he, he said to me once, like, um, I remember you, Jace, when you're like, you know, a couple of years, like five years old or something, or at the at kids' sport. And my sister was a few years younger, and some big kid come into the. We we're playing in some sand pit or something, you know. And he said, "He said from your very beginning, you had that sort of protector mm. type of personality." And you know, some big kid who could easily have steamrolled straight over the top of me comes in and started being a bit of you know, as kids do probably. And then I, I think I can still. He goes, I said to him, "Listen, 
you need to get out of here or I'll pull your nose. You know, and this <laughs> is, I still remember it because it was from my pop. Yeah, he told the yeah. story a heap of times. But um, and I can see the pr- how proud he was that um, yeah. you know you sort of like him. And, and so it was really important to have that that sort of balanced. Um, you got to you know if you're going to be the the anvil, you just got to you also got to have that softer side. Like um, you know. Like the, I mean, I sort of, we can sort of talk about that in a second. That 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 aspect, but um, yeah, the um, I mean, f- you know, I spent all my childhood outdoors as opposed to what they do now. Actually, it, it really affects me seeing teenagers <laughs> and kids now because I think you don't, you actually don't know what you're missing out on. Yeah, I mean, don't worry. I wish I had a phone that I could know everything and Google the world. Yeah. You know, but. Like, would you transfer? Would you prefer that over what you did when you were a kid? No, nah, man, it's a it's a hard one. I know you have kids, and I have kids, and I swear it has to be. I've always been really intrigued by the: is it environmental, mm. or is it um, you're born with it type of thing? I'm starting to lean with the aspect of you're just naturally born a certain way. Because I yep. have two kids that have grown up effectively same environment that are complete opposite. Yeah, and I feel someone like you, even when you come to the gym, obviously you have a massive presence. You're not, there's, you're not talking loudly or anything, but people will instantly look at you. As you said, like you have a protective mechanism um, that people will gravitate towards and know that's the person that keeps me safe. I feel someone like you is born like that now. Yeah. Obviously you're trained into it further and further, but like your pop said, from instantly from a young age you were already doing certain things and already had aspects of your personality that led you to becoming obviously the man you are today so it it is it's fascinating to hear you talk about that and like miles said your how you talk about that being exciting and the best times Mm. most people it's the complete opposite Mm. couldn't think of anything worse for for the majority of people but i can see obviously for someone like you probably what you're doing Obviously not what you're doing now isn't considered um, non-exciting because mm. it's a great way to live and everything like that. But it is definitely a dulled life compared to what you were doing yeah. when you were doing all that type of <laughs> yeah. stuff. I have to well, come that's why with that every day. Yeah. That's why he's like, swerving in between traffic on his motorbike. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. To get exhilaration. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think you, we spoke about it the other day and it's like you gravitate to, um, you know, you, you find things to test yourself and, and challenge yourself to maintain that, you know, so you know, like whether it's a Kokoda challenge here locally yep. on the coast and, it, you know, four of us did it a few years ago. We were still operational and it was like, you know, your Kiwi and Irvo were in a group, obviously, from OPS. Yep. We, we split eight dudes from our unit, you know, um, from our attack teams and it was like the, these four are going to like train for this and, and they're all, you know, Irvo's an Australian Institute of Sport level um, athlete. Yeah. And so is Kiwi really. Um you know, so your group trains for this and see how you go. My group was full of you had to be at least a hundred kilos in, in, to get into into my grouping, yeah. <laughs> and then you weren't allowed to do any training that was specific for that yeah. hundred kilometer up and down hills activity. Um, so it was hilarious when we kicked it off. So Irvo and that came seventh out of Whoa. everyone. You know, which is an amazing thing. That's crazy. They literally just they must li- have run. lunatics. Yeah, they were, yeah, yeah. and they finished six hours before I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so the big boys come in later. You know, obviously we had fitness. We were always um, pack, yeah. packing it through, you know, jungles and stuff overseas. So we 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 had that 
there's obviously that level of fitness in you there. But um, yeah, man, yeah. it was nasty. But you know, you come out the other side of it, and you know, <laughs> and your ITBs are locked up like porcelain. You know, I, could, I couldn't even bend my legs to get in the car. You know, just been trudging for twenty hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and and <clears throat> you know, um, but the result of that, apart from six or seven trips to the physio, was that. <laughs> You, you, you walk away from it going, man, that was so, you know, it was arduous, yeah. you know, and you're doing it here in your comfort zone here on the yeah. Gold Coast. So it was like, but you walk away from it um, like you just, I don't know, you just get something from where you have to keep pushing yourself, yeah. keep pushing yourself, keep pushing yourself to get to the end, you know. How do, how do you get that into people now? How do you, I struggle to tell people to do things like that because it's like, no, yeah. to be honest, it's like, sounds uncomfortable, it sounds like I'm going to be in pain. Yep. It sounds like, and I'm like, you are. And then they're like, well, then why would I do it? And trying to explain exactly what you said, when I try to explain it, it doesn't seem to get across um, very well. And I know Miles is similar in terms of he's talked about Kokoda because he's done it mm. um, and talked about doing it with the team here. And I can see people nod their head, but I can see into their eyes. They're <laughs> like, I ain't fucking doing that. Yeah. And me and him are the only people that are excited to do it. And then they talk because I lived in PNG for yep. about six, five, five to six years. They're like, "What's PNG like?" I'm like, "It's scary as fuck." Like, yeah, <laughs> you, you literally. You, yeah, you, you can't just walk around as you are here. And they're like, "So why are we doing Kokoda <laughs> and going to this place and all that?" I'm like, "Because yeah. like th- this is what it's all about. This is the experience, and you'll come away better from it." But yeah, yeah it, it, it seems hard. It seems hard to convince people of that you will gain from doing the hard things. Well, I think so it's that's a balance. the only it's a time you gain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Well, it's a bit of a mixture, right? So yeah. when you're doing it, you know, you, you know that it's like I always look and go, um, this is what separates me from the rest of the, the, if you want to, you know, the rest of society. And it's not an egotistical thing or it's not a, oh, um, you're not trying to be better than anyone. You're yeah. just trying to be your best, yep. you know, um, you know, so, you know, like really having a crack and testing yourself. I don't know, it's, you know, there's, there's times when you're doing it and you go, like in that Kokoda, right? And we, we've done some pretty horrendous um, operational tasks over years where dudes would go down legitimately from, you know, heat exhaustion. The Solomon Islands, I absolutely do not know how anyone fought World War Two there because, <laughs> you know, it's just the most unbelievable killer environment. You've just you've got no idea. It's just horrifying. Anyway, you know, so we, we've spent some, we've had some horrendous things there, but we're on this, this, that trek here, you know, talking about challenging ourselves and everything. And I, and I called Kiwi at 2 a.m. in the morning or whatever it was. And I go, and I, or it might have been one o'clock in the morning. And I, and I got, and I got him and I said, listen, um, because we kept on getting all this disinformation. Every time we got to a checkpoint, they say, oh, you got 30 k's to go. I said, boom. Oh, no. Five k's <laughs> later, you turn up, they go, how long? How long before that? You know, you go. You got thirty k's to go, and then I blew up at the next, the third one because I, I said, "Dude, everyone's telling me it's thirty k's to go." The worst thing was the third one. It was legitimately yeah. the thirty k's to go. Anyway, <laughs> um, I saw I ring Kiwi and I say, "Man," and I started describing where we were in the pitch black and with another XSAS guy who's who was in our team and um, and 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 Kiwi goes, "Oh, it sounds like you're at such and such," and he and I go, "How far is that?" And he goes, "Mate." 
just put one foot in front of the other and you'll make it. Yeah. And I was like, that's not the answer I was looking for. It's like, I need something fluffy, yeah. you know, you know. And then, um, but it's funny because my mate next to me is this big, you know, ex-regiment guy and, and he goes, and I, I hang up and he sees a look on my face yeah. and he goes, what did he say? <laughs> you know, we like, to, we like to put this austere on it. We're big tough guys, right? Yeah. But we're in, the, we're in this, yeah. you know, nighttime in the bush. And I said, he said, just put one foot in front of the other and you'll make it. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> and he, and he, we did, no one talked for like half an hour. We just got in our little, we just got in our little mental space and started walking. And obviously, semi depressed. <laughs> and, and then we sort of roll back out of it and go, ah, can't be that far. It was, classic. it was. Man, tell tell us about obviously Kiwi Ervo, your SAS mate that you were just referring to. Then you obviously have a massive brotherhood of yeah. people that you've done stuff with them that no one has experienced so you obviously have a special bond that very few people get to get i know we feel like that with our team at combat um i've had some footy teams that i've been involved with where i felt equally the same because you've been able to do some of the most brutal things known to man and come out the other side with them so it builds it builds a relationship that i wish a lot of people would get to experience Mm -hmm. most people won't get to experience tell us what that was like particularly i can't even imagine what it would be like doing that overseas Mm. in a war zone with with people like that yeah i think um if you if you've got the you guys know this better than anyone because you you meticulously started a a like a the beginning of a training so if you haven't done any mma haven't done any boxing any any of that, that fighting you start the very beginning you know which is walking through the door mm-hmm. and then it's this um compilation of you know skills acquisition you know so realistically you know, I, I didn't really find that i apart from when i you know day one in the cops or you know day 14 in the cops and i'm on the streets of sydney getting stabbed <laughs> and nearly dying you know I, actually that's the, probably the only time in my out of all my operational stuff i, I was really un- underprepared mm-hmm. um because it doesn't matter what you do in a police academy, you get all the skills, but when you get out and you put the human context and you're in the reality, and then it's right in front of you, this is not a pass fail. This is like a win die. Yeah, it's there's a total, there's a diff, there's a shift on how it affects you. Um, so you know, with Kiwi and Ervo and you know all the guys I work with in, in those, if you, so if you end up in Iraq or Afghanistan or Timor or wherever, um, I didn't I didn't feel like I I, I turned up there undercooked. You know, you you had a, a appropriate level of training. You felt confident. And everywhere I went, you sort of the, naturally, like you would do, you know, you, you're assessing, well, who am I fighting, you know? Yep. And then you might see a bit of footage of that guy and you go, oh, yeah, I can see a few holes there. I'm going to definitely exploit that, um, you know, or, wow, this is going to be a good war with this fella, you know? Like, those, that's, that's the sort of same appraisal you make going into those environments and, you you know, you, unfortunately, there's a, there's a the thing that I hated most about, like when we are in Iraq, we're driving around, was the indiscriminacy of um, how the the insurgency would work? So they knew they w- they would never one on one with us because mm-hmm. there's a guaranteed ticket to wherever their their belief system is. But you know um, the driving around in a driving around in a car um, <laughs> and and there's a you know twenty kilo of explosives you know that's been formed into a bit of concrete you can't see it you know and that cracks off like it's the indiscriminacy of that. And your inability to fight back to that, mm-hmm. I, 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 I find that sort of a real coward way to fight, but it's effective, right? So, you know, tip my hat to him, I suppose it works. 
<laughs> you know, but if but you it, look at it that way, yeah. yeah. But it really annoyed me. I was like, "Come on, if you're gonna, you know, if, if you know, you come out and you you be a man, and and if you go, if you got your principles, we got our principles, and we you want to have a fight, let's do it." But um, yeah, so that um, you know, those environments they're, they're spooky because you don't your, your skills don't matter. The only skills you can actually tap into is your just awareness, you know. So um, you know, and and it. And, it, and, it, and it's quite dangerous to that awareness too because if you do it for too long, it's um, that you end up having hyper-awareness. Um, whereas you're driving down... Like when I came back here, after the, I did a four-month deployment over there and we're driving around a fair bit and there's people getting blown up left, right and centre. You know, you'd be, I'd be sitting in my, where, where we were living in North Baghdad, which is only a few kilometres from Sada City, which is a real hot pot, you know. And then it would be like, boom, you know. And to be in a like a your living environment and have a, a blast go off and it might be five k's away but it literally feels like it's um you know 100 meters away and you get a real impact on the wall of the building and you just like stand to okay we, we've been attacked now nah, you can see a, a bit of a plume ages away and um is the community just used to that do they just like they don't even sort of flinch oh. or do they are they just like living in a constant state of fear oh i think no i think they're um they, they, I think they're they're exposed to it f- mm. so much. They, they, they definitely. It, obviously, it's not a healthy environment for them. Um, you know, I, I actually never really asked them. Actually, you know, they, everyone seemed to function. So they obviously that functioning part probably gives you your answer because they're just doing their day to day. Yeah. And then they're obviously getting killed by the cowardice of you know people leaving bombs for them. But um, yeah, it's um, it's a just it's an amazing. I always say to people, you know, when I come back here, you can't replicate it. Whereas uh, you never feel more alive when you're than when you're somewhere that there is a good, there is a a, a threat of death. Yeah. You know, you really, you know, you, you just, you just, I don't know, you just, it's like that the most mindful thing where you're just sitting on, or you might be on the top of a rooftop and you're watching, you know, some people fighting a couple of kilometers away, and you just sort of get a coffee and. And watch the show, you know, yeah, sort of wow. thing, and, and it's like, um, yeah, it's just it's so That's bizarre. You just wild, yeah. It's, it's it's literally. I would have really been upset if I, you know, because it takes a little bit of. It wasn't that easy a decision to just go, hey, I'm going to leave my job at Tact Operations Unit. Really good job. The, the amount of effort to get in there was like phenomenal. And then and then you go, I'm going to resign from it and go to a war zone and, and potentially, you know, who knows what could come of it if you get killed or maimed or you know whatever. Um, so it was a lot of stress making that decision going over there. But once you were there, you sort of go, okay, I'm here now. You know, it's like you, you dive in 100%. Like Sel was saying, like when you come back home to home soil with your mates that you were just over there with experiencing um, what no one else would experience, you know, with how can you not have like a connection that yeah. no one else could relate to? And um, we were talking before about sort of like what do the next generations look like? Um, and we were talking about, you know, um, experiences where you can relate to people but then you come home and you can't relate to people and you hear all the time about especially guys who have served and and you know who are in the military and things like that who just can't relate to the average person they just find them frustrating mm. you know um, talk to me about that is that is that something that you sort of relate to is it is it hard to relate to someone who's complaining about having the wrong toothbrush to brush mm. their teeth and stuff like that like how do you feel in 
about that sort of... I reckon I feel exactly the same way as you do. Because you, know, <laughs> you guys are committed, you know, you're athletes. You talk about all fighters, the time. And you're, and you're also like, <laughs> you're also businessmen, right? The, um, but, you know, yeah, it's like, I, I really struggle with it, actually. Um, you know, most of the time I try to, um, rather than let someone's, um, you know, oh, how, do, how do I put it? You know, that... that it's not a it's not a personality flaw, but it's it sort of kind of is at the same time. But you know, I, let, rather than let it affect me, I, I try to sort of um, you know pass on my thoughts on the same scenario, and you, you know, um, you know, you maybe get them to stop. Hey, you know, from a problem perspective, is it what you're talking about and what you're really upset about? You know, how next a week from now, how do you reckon you're going to feel about this problem that's happening today? I guarantee you. You probably won't even remember it, yeah. but right now it's causing you massive grief, and you're sort of transmitting it to those around you. And 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 you know, um, so I just try to sort of channel my rather than get upset by someone else's um, behaviour. I know I try to sort of you know uh, pass on some of my thoughts on it, and you know, um, you know, yeah, it's it's hard. It's like. Um, do you do any yeah. form of like meditation or do you do any form of like sort of Definitely self-reflection should. or self-reflection you always, you know, that's something I've done for a long time, actually, you know, um, you know, you, at the end of the day, I try to teach my kids this as well. You know, how, how did I, how, how was today? You know, it was a busy day. And then, you know, you know what it's like sometimes you can be really, if you're a hundred miles an hour, you can sort of, there's a tendency occasionally you can sort of steamroll mm-hmm. over past people over the yeah. top of them, you know? So you think, Oh, you know, I'm going to call such and such tomorrow and just, you know, touch touch base because yeah. you know, maybe an interaction today wasn't exactly how how I would want them to perceive me. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's really important. Like, if you're mindful, if you if you practice and mindfulness techniques, are really important for your mental health as well. So, you know, um, and they that mindfulness allows you to appreciate, um, you know, what you're doing at that exact time. Um, and, and also, like you said, at the end of the day, sort of reflect. If you're just sort of charging ahead and you're not looking back and just making sure you haven't left a trail of destruction, you, you, you probably likely will. Yeah. 100%. I think my way of coping with this most recently is just been finding more people that are in this um, sphere of thinking. Yeah. It's been my, by far the best thing that's happened to me is um, getting Miles as a business partner um, was easily the strongest point because I had someone that could risk understood my frustrations so it felt like we were sharing the same frustrations where usually it was 100 on me now it was like 50 50 with a balance i feel like i'm throwing my frustrations on you a lot (laughs) 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 no that's that's all good and then from the gym naturally people that walk into that place uh seeking or have a similar type of understanding or mindset that they're there to get better they're there to improve and then naturally from that community being just blessed to meet people like Ervo, yourself, Kevin Toonan, um, Kiwi. Yeah. <laughs> Our last combat podcast was with him. I think oh, so, yeah. yeah. It, it's been that long. Yeah, and legend. He's, yeah, he's just the best. Um, and guys like yourself are rare, but I think naturally because you are so rare and you've gone through so many things, you find each other. Um, and I'm and Miles. Well, you create an environment you like create, you exactly. wanted to create the five AM 
jujitsu and yeah. MMA classes and like who's going to come to those classes? Yeah. People who are going to relate to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Now it's moved to 4.30, soon to be 4 a.m. <laughs> it's, it's actually starting to get crazy. Like, <laughs> the, clock, the clock is just getting pushed further and further back. I'm just like, woke up this morning, I had that much loaded to get out the door. I feel good now, I'm sure. <laughs> we'll see how I feel by tonight, but... It's I reckon Jace will start joining this 4am yeah. session, eh? If I can do it remotely, just by my sleeping <laughs> mechanisms, I'm, I'm, yeah, I can plug in Matrix style or something. It'd be cool. Jace. Yeah. yeah, even starting at four o'clock is a bit of an achievement in itself, right? Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, people that are turning up to the gym at four or 4.30 to do that exact training yeah. outcome is like, they're winners straight away. And I think, you know, people that... They talk to and go, "What? You go to the gym at four thirty, man? You are crazy." But yeah. that is a that's a that's a um, that's a positive thing for, for sure. them. We go, "Oh yeah, awesome!" And they naturally become your best friends. Mm. Like uh, three, four years ago, I didn't know Daz or anyone that was at that class. But like Miles said, you mm. relate to them instantly. They're business owners, their fathers, mm. their husbands. They've gone through adversity. They're there at four thirty in the morning, so you respect them just for that aspect that they came to train with you and share their knowledge with you. So there's a bond um, directly from that that starts to transfer across um, through everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think hundred percent in your gym. It's the same as you know, like if you're in a um, like a dangerous, like even if it's semi non-permissive environment, you know, it's always said it's intimate, and I don't mean like intimate, you know. Um, you know, kissing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, not saying it didn't happen. Um, no, I was only kidding. Um, the um, it's intimate from the point of view where you're 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 in this. You're sort of forced into this shared experience, and you you're so reliant on each other. Um, like it seems like all judgment, everything goes out the door, and you know, um, and it's just all about. Well, I, I need you, you know, for my safety as well. So much that, um, you know, it's it's, it's just this real um, focused energy and relationships are focused. You know, you, or you're, not going, you're not finishing the day going to the movies and going home either. So you're with them all the time. So you're yeah. training, you're doing PT, you're going out doing operations, you're, you're eating together, you're in open showers, being, you know, yep. dumb asses together and, and having fun and, yeah. you know, doing the usual stuff. But the, that, because it's, um, because you rely on each other, it doesn't matter. I found it didn't matter what you did when you're overseas. You know, so if you're, if it was someone, if the cook was there, or you know, someone had just a like a what you maybe classify as a maybe a non-cool job, um, they're all important, and they and and we all relied on each other for our for that ecosystem to <coughs> for our existence. So it was like this um, pressurized, you know, fast tracking of relationships, and those relationships are embedded forever. Yep. You know, as a result of that, it's the same in your gym. You know, so you're because you're. You know, if you're in there and you're fighting and you're and you're sparring and you're and you're honing skills, you sort of, as as you know better than anyone, you have to elevate the activity to get the most real reality out of it, which is what we we're talking about before from combative point of view. But you know, from even in the in, in the gym, that fighting um, activity, you're looking after each other, yep. and it's in, intimate, right? Yep. It's like there's a bond. You know, you know, you, you and I say you and I roll together or we're boxing together, cell. And I say I know you're far better than I am, and, I'm, and you're looking after me. Yeah. Um, but but I, I can also um, feel you pushing me as well. Yeah. Like you, you you give me the perfect amount of damage and allowing me and you know um, and, and that that's that's a that's a real big thing, right? Yeah. That 
and that's when I when I went and did some boxing. <laughs> I think I told you about yeah. that. When I, I walk in the gym, I was 115 kilos or something. You know, so I was a cardio giant, yeah. <laughs> and and every single person in the gym when when I rolled in there with, with Gavin Top up here in the coast um, wanted to fight you because they knew that you, even though you 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 probably had a lot of skills in a certain area, the I was you just underdone in that in that technical sense yeah. in the in the in the in the ring. That sort of changed after about twelve months because yeah. once you started getting a few skills of your own, yeah. you know, and you started landing a couple, of those like those, the list sort of dwindled off a little <laughs> bit. But you know, the, the guys like yourselves would always, you know, yeah, they were looking like up to dudes too. like me. Yeah. But the, um, yeah, it's just an amazing, um, you know, we're like, going we're going through that now. Like we've got, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we've got like a few guys. We've got six guys actually. That's on this next big fight card, mm. Eternal MMA. <clears throat> and they're all all training. They're all hard in fight camp. It's literally a week out, and um, you know, there's so many so many guys all helping, giving giving themselves or giving their bodies to these guys to train with, and mm. essentially just be punching bags. But well, it's um, actually worse than the fight, the sparring. The lead oh, ups worse for isn't sure. It? For it's sure, just, it's like a fight that goes on for weeks and weeks. Definitely. So you can have your the event. Yeah. But the event like is easier yeah. compared to it, it, essentially unless you're in sales fight and then it was really hard. <laughs> but, but like yeah. just seeing the guys as well, like exactly what you're saying about that sort of intimacy and just like supporting one another, um, sort of like um, subconsciously as well. It's just like you know the guys are in the cage. You know, one of the training partners goes down with an injury. Immediately, he will just like crawl off to the side of the mat, nursing his injury. Someone else will jump in because mm-hmm. the guy that got injured was like oh, this can't stop. Mm. My, my training partner needs to keep going. So I'm just going to get the fuck out of the way mm. and call someone else in there and I'll deal with my injury later. Or <clears throat> as funny as it sounds, like even last night the boys were wrestling and, you know, one of the guys gets taken down, his pants start coming off and we're all like, just <laughs> fucking keep going. Yeah, like, yeah, don't yeah. worry about that shit. Mm. Like, it's just uh, like... There's a crack in his defense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By far, like, I... um. I came from a footy background into this martial arts thing. So I didn't really understand what a martial arts like team was because mm. all I would see was the end outcome of one guy going in there and I knew he had a coach and like some people in the corner and I didn't realise how much of a team push there was for that one person to get in there. Yeah. The amount of bodies, usually it's Miles' body that's getting <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> and the lead up is crazy because I don't think people – really clearly um combat is a like a a big focus of ours but we have other businesses yeah but the business of ours is making nutritional products and the gym and the performance center for people to get better at miles goes in and coaches but is also like the main body for a lot of these people Mm. so whilst they're sitting there honing their skills and getting better and better over a 12-week camp getting faster stronger and everything he's getting in there copying it (laughs) as the main body for not one but multiple people and so i'll see him like this morning he's covering it pretty well (laughs) (laughs) yeah after what happened last night i'm like oh shit he's gonna be in for (laughs) in for a rough morning but i think that's probably the best part about everything is that you're you're able to give to a team and a greater cause as you do with your crew sharing dreams too right exactly yeah and then getting to see the end outcome mm. next week mm. win or loss everyone knows that they're involved in a 12 week process to see the very best come out 
it can go either way. Yeah. No one's doubting that, but it is a great feeling to see, in this case, six of our guys go in into it together with another fair few hundred people that are behind them that have pushed them all the way to get to that point. So I do um, I do enjoy seeing that, and I can understand that's probably as close as we can get to mm-hmm. what you guys have mm-hmm. when you get to deploy and go overseas. We, yeah. we won't get that, but it's as close as we'll get. Would you S- same same in its in a way, isn't it? Right? Would yeah. you I- encourage or accept for your kids to to take the path that you have? And yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, um, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, whatever path they choose, or the only thing I say to them is, you know, just and I was talking to um, you know Jess, you know, um, on the way back from the gym, she's thirteen, you know, and uh, and we were talking about a few things, and she was talking about SAS Australia on which I. You know the TV show. I, yeah. I don't watch it, but yeah. the um, you know, and I was saying to her, I, I was explaining to her, you know, a few things like my selection course to get into my initial unit, and I, and I and then and then everything from there, you know, um, I said you just cannot leave any stone unturned. You know, as long as when you, you know, twenty years from now, you can't look back and go, oh, I wish what I, that five years I just sat there dormant and didn't yeah. do anything. So it doesn't matter what you're doing, and if and, and not everyone can have a job. That puts them in a really exciting yeah. area, right? Um, it was, unfortunately, the most of us have jobs that are pretty dull, you know, day to day. You know, you, you get good at it and you get used to it, so it becomes, you know, just dreary. Yeah, or you might enjoy it, but it's it's not. It doesn't give you that challenge in life. So and I said, you, then you need to find something outside of that, but yeah. um, that that allows you twenty years from now to look back and go, I don't regret anything, and I really. For me, that's that was, you know, I said the one thing that keeps me happy now, because you know when you get to I'm 49 now, and you and you always and you just pine to be back when you're 25 yeah. on the tools, and you you know, but you know, life life's pretty unfair. You it pushes you down. Probably when you get to the most knowledgeable and the most skilled in your brain and the most yeah. stable, your body's failed because you've had yeah. to put it through <laughs> its its tri- tri- trials, you know, to get to where you are. Um, so that for me, it's like at least I don't have that. On my shoulder, yeah. and we, where a lot of people have regrets. I wish I'd done that. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, um, there's a few <laughs> things that you look back and go, "Oh, I could have gone down this track," but I, I wouldn't change anything. Yeah. You know, in life. It, so as long as you are really grasping life and not being lazy, and um, you know, I mean, there's times you need to have downtime, but that's my main thing in life. It's the mediocrity. So you don't have to be. Oh, I've never been to be an elite boxer, but I went and boxed. I wanted to test myself. I wanted to feel what it was like to get into a ring um, and have a fight, you know, in that context. And it was yeah. literally the, you know, you, you guys say, oh, how, you know, how did you go to that war zone? Man, it was, that was the scariest thing I ever did yeah. because you're putting your whole self on display for this crowd. Yeah. You know, I think there was about 500 people there, um, all heap of my mates, and they were all threatening me, you know, with <laughs> uh, make sure you <laughs> make yeah. sure you win. And, and, um, you put it out there, but it's not just that. It's it's your it's that real personal thing. Yeah, you know, get in there and and when I was my, the same SAS guy that was on my Kokoda thing with me. Uh, he had quite a few fights. He was in the army when he was in the army. He's quite talented. So we 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 were sparring a fair bit, and I wasn't nervous at all. Sort of leading, leading you know for the twelve weeks leading into the, the actual fight night. But he goes, get ready, mate. The yeah. first fight's always just you might as well just just. Get your first fight out of the way. Yep. It's going to be rubbish, and then um, and then move on. You know, and I said, "No, man, I've people have shot, been shot yeah. at, and you know, there's all sorts of stabbed, and yeah. you know, how how 
how nervous could I be? Yeah. Anyway, um, the, the boys would threaten me, you know, when you come out through the smoke, when yeah. they do your the, the song and they announce you. And they said, if you just walk through the smoke thinking you're a tough guy and just walk out normal, <laughs> we'll throw, you know, bread rolls from our table at you. <laughs> so make sure it's entertaining. So anyway, I walked through and Jamie Meyer was a boxing promoter at the yeah. time and I, I walked through the smoke. But because of the, the gravity of it, and I looked over at the guy I was going to fight it, we were both sort of in that, that stage, back behind stage. Yeah. And I'm looking at him, I'm, I can see the look on his eyes like yeah. going, oh, you know, yeah. I can see the nervousness and I was like, it was just palpable. Yeah. And I walked through the, sm- the smoke and did a pirouette. But yeah. for some reason, I didn't realise my legs had just gone to this heavy, <laughs> heavy, heavy metal. Yeah, yeah. what the? And I, and I nearly <laughs> fell off the stage, you know. I, I, I don't think it was perceivable to everyone down there, but yeah, yeah. I literally used every bit of skill to do this pirouette without falling over, yeah. Yeah. you know, which is just a normal basic physical skill. <laughs> and I walked, to the, I walked to the ring. I was like, man, what's happened to my legs? Yeah, they yeah. don't work anymore. And then Todd was going, yeah, I told you so, you know, because he was my ring dude. <laughs> yeah. And he got into the ring and I go, it hasn't improved, yeah. you know. And then it was like, um, the first round, was, you know, it was like, you know, or you, may, you can imagine, you know how fit you are. And it was like, man, oh, wait, I've got no cardio. It's gone. What, huh? It's gone. It's like yeah, yeah. this fear, this um, adrenaline yeah, or whatever yeah. it was, um, you know, and, and, and like I won the fight, but it was, um, it was just this eye opening. Yeah. Because right up to that point where old mate's telling me, oh, mate, wait until you're standing there. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see who's yeah, a tough yeah. guy. You don't get that feeling when you're being shot at? No, because it's um, different. Yeah, it's different. Yeah. It's more of a, in that moment, oh, you, don't get me wrong. No, no, if everyone turns around and says they're in all these these zones and um, activities, and they didn't, um, you know, have some of those fear factors. Fear is a natural part of the psyche, yep. and it's awesome. It's really um, important because it's you know it's just how you address the effects of fear. Yep. You know, um, the, the 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 biggest detractor from fear is imagining. You know, so you're perceiving you know, that that what could happen, and that's the debilitating one. Whereas you, yeah. just, you know, you know, you you need to, um, you know, Tony Blower is like, I don't know if you've heard of him. Mm-hmm. He, when he specialises in in you know how we address fear. You know, so it's like, um, you know, he he's, he wants you to tap into, you know, more your more um, you know reptilian brain sort of thing in terms of how you respond in a in a moment where it's life threatening. Um, to overcome fear, you, the fear's going to be there. You, if you, someone says, "Oh, I wasn't scared," or um, "It's not scared," like you're sitting there, can't do anything, you're sucking your thumb. Yeah. But you, re- you, 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 if they had a, um, you know, a heart rate monitor on, yeah, it's going to spike. Yeah. That, that is your body's fear response. It's just, you know, you would hope that you've, you've um, trained. You, your training can put you in a position where you can function. Do you do any training prior to going into the war zone? That's like. Um visualization or like trying to control those emotions or those like sensory overloads or anything like that or is that not a part of it <coughs> is that it's the you know your reaction to um you know like if you're doing you know building combat so room combat um you know i, I, I went i went i was on a, a program once and the commander there was you know his idea of room combat was you know through these live fire facilities right yeah so which means you know you go through with your team and you're, you're shooting life around each other, you know. So it's it's really it's re- real. It's training, but um, the facilities you know are built to absorb that. Um, I, I found it a little bit um, asinine, actually. You know, from a from that from that preparation point of view. Um, yeah, you're using live ammunition. How cool are we? We're shooting around live ammunition around each other. 
but you're shooting a steel plate or whatever as you come into a room. You you, you sort of know intrinsically. Yeah. You don't really have that. Um, you're not you're not having that that high level of decision making. You just really the only decision you have to make as you you come into the room and you're being assessed by guys that are on catwalks above you is that you you employ the correct skill so you don't get a you know a verbal afterwards oh, you know yeah. and, and, it, and it's you, you know these life and death skills you're trying to hone too so it's not just about your ego and you know someone calling out hey Samson you're fucked up here um, but the the targets don't present a um, like a you know a, 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 a requirement on me to make a decision other than okay it's a kill or a no kill mm-hmm. so um, you know a lot of guys um, you know would gravitate oh that's the highest level of training but it's not it's you know so the, the training we used to do, which would put us in the best position for success, was force on force. So you use all the same gear and weapons, but you're just not using, you know, firing a, a live round, a lethal round. Um, paint marking rounds we use. and But the, what it would do is you, as your team come into an um, environment, someone might, like a bad guy playing a role player, might just fire three shots down a hallway and, and then run off into the void of the building. And then bang, you know, it might have actually struck someone. So, you know, um, that guy's out and then you have to sort of debrief that later as, well, what can we do to make sure that, that the first guy that came in didn't get killed in re- if it was reality? But it makes you – then you go, right, what do I do now? Do I need to clear methodically and we just, you know, keep guys, um, you know, and some security on the last known direction that, that the, the offender went? Or do we, you know, go after him? You know, so the, it, it, it requires you to make some decisions, and it puts pressure back on you. And you might come into a room, and they're just like, you know, their hands are in the air, but they're being, um, you know, non-compliant, and then it goes super bad, or or they 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 do what you want them to do. Yep. You know, so those that the the more reality you can do, and the more pressure you can put on guys, the more decision making, and do it over and over again, and make mistakes. So that's where you want to make all your mistakes. You know, whether it's on how you used a bit of equipment like an explosive, or you know how you, um, you know you used a, a methodology to, to breach a wall or a door or whatever, you know, there's, there's all these things you need to get correct and that's that's the area to make your mistakes as well. Um, but if you do that, um, you know, and this, this is not new thought process. Like if you look go back to World War II with the Yanks, they were doing the same thing. With, like, they, they, want, they wanted their troops to land at Normandy as pre-veterans. So basically you're a combat veteran that has never been in combat. Yep. You know, that makes sense. Yep. Same as you. you. By the time you get in the ring for your fight, oh, I actually found my fight was a lot easier once I got rolling. Yeah, you know, once it started, yeah. Then, then the weeks of just grinding, through, you know, sparring, sparring, right. sparring, you know, getting a few concussions and headaches and, you know, just, gosh, I've got to go to the gym today and get beaten up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, you know, that's, that's that, that – um, so when you get into those environments, you really – to a degree you feel comfortable yeah. and hopefully you, the environment you came out of from a training was more intense than the one yeah. you go into yeah. if that makes sense I, f- yeah. I find this so fascinating there's a few things that are ruminating around my head right now the first is um, when we literally just did a, a team um, like retreat uh, with our agency and we got uh, a good friend of ours Luke Mathers who's like a stress expert and he was talking about the ability to make quick decisions in you know short short periods of time under stress or duress or whatever it is and he was um, telling us about a story where there was a whole bunch of firefighters and they were escaping and running towards the hills um when a, a massive fire was just out of control and and you know 
um, coming towards them faster than they were running. And one guy out of the however many there were, yeah. 10 or 15 or whatever, whatever it was, in a split second um, poured water in a circle or I think it was water he, or something like that. He did a burn. He did a burn around him. Around and him. he just sat yeah. in this circle and let the fire come over the top of him. And obviously every everyone else passed away. Mm. And it was just that split de- second decision that he made which yeah. um, allowed him to survive. Mm. Um, it's cool because they, they also showed within that story – like they were looking at how people's brains think. Yep. And there was obviously there were firefighters. Mm. So they had packs and everything like that. And certain ones just panicked, yep. ran with their pack. Obviously, you've got 15 kilos of yeah, weight. You forgot on to you. take it off. You forgot to take it yep. off. Other people like get nude, mm. I'll run faster. So mm. they had a bit more thought process and they got further. But then he didn't move at all, mm. burnt completely around him. Like his brain was on the whole time. Um, and it just showed what panic will do to your brain or stress um, will do compared to a thought process of I am in danger, but if I can step through mentally mm. what to do, I can survive this. And so like you went into fight mode and everyone went into yeah, flight mode. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so is that something, obviously, you know, I'm sure it can, but is that something that can be trained prior to obviously being in that, in that situation? And um, we were talking about um, that feeling of nervousness or, or stress or, or, just fear, being scared. And um, something that we talk about at the gym when the boys are getting ready for their fight is going, well, you know that anxiety that you're feeling, that fear, that's actually, let's turn it into a positive and let's understand that it's your body's way of getting ready to fight. Mm-hmm. It's the, <clears throat> it's your protective mechanism. Yep. So instead of you know shying away from it or trying to run away from it or get rid of it, use it and, and, yeah. and engage it and just and just know that, you know, this is your body's way of pumping some adrenaline. Yeah. If you get punched, you're going to be able to withstand it. If you get kicked, you should be able to withstand it yeah. for a while. Yeah. Um, you maybe you get yeah. you're getting ready. <laughs> I was actually, so yeah, just going through a visualization 100%. process. I was actually wanting to ask you, and you're probably the best person to ask about this, in regards to obviously you're even talking to us just this before we really started about you ride a motorbike because there's an element of danger, mm. and you welcome that danger and i sit on the side of the fence of that side where i'm like some danger is good Mm. but then there's also the aspect of the stupidity yeah like in danger and then it's yeah Yeah. (laughs) finding finding the balance and then also trying to find that balance in terms of passing that on to family members be it kids be it um loved ones and everything like that because you don't want them to get hurt Mm. in in any aspects you don't want anyone to get hurt but at the same time if you live a complete sheltered in a bubble life clearly that's not a way to live and people have often said to me and miles we do too much stupid shit in terms of (laughs) in terms of like be it sparring a lot or be it um pushing the limits of whatever it may be um but that's who we are. No, um, but at the same time, I'd rather sit on that side of the fence than the side of the fence of being dormant, doing yep. nothing, and never knowing what the boundary, I guess, looks and feels like. How do you tell people where to push to, especially when you care about them, like mm. like well, your kids, for example? I mean, <clears throat> it's, it's. I suppose it's. Uh, you know, you look at what you're doing. What, what's the result of failure? Yeah. You know, so if I'm on my bike, you know, and I and I see you watch the news, and someone's, you know, some young bloke's been killed or 
doing 200 k's an hour and you go well that's just stupid yeah you know the road none nothing's set up for doing that speed you know what i mean and and it's um and it's also contrary to you know it's it's just stupid you're gonna you're putting everyone else it's however you know if you're doing the speed limit and i'm the the bit that i like about it where it's you've got to be so mindful and so in the moment with your riding right because you I'm, I'm predicting i'm looking ahead and i can see the the driver and you actually you know you, you look for a window and and stereotype them as well you know because mm-hmm. they'll they'll have you know whether it's um you know some 70 year old dude yeah. you're gonna have to obviously be careful that guy's going to do potentially turning your lane without putting a blinker on or even looking um you know so there's that that aspect of it you know so i'm, I'm not on the road being evil can evil yeah it's just you know i'm enjoying my riding um you know and I, my preference is to have no um idiots on the road around me yeah. and you just be around a few other guys that are enjoying the ride and but um like i was saying to you before the before we come in here you know the um i, I enjoy that um you know that that requirement on me to sort of watch what everyone's doing um so and if you don't do if you're not doing that what's the what's the repercussions you know you're going to get um you're going to have a car accident and on the bike it's it's going to be pretty nasty yeah um you know so i suppose that dictates um the amount of risks you take and you know and and those aspects so it's the same with anything you know you'll never have and you guys know this better than anyone you'll never build skills and resilience without being on the verge of failing yeah you know so you have to be out of your comfort zone and um and that's the greatest feeling as well when you succeed knowing that there's there's also this high chance of you know um you know failure mm-hmm. and failure is just this natural part of life right do you yeah. think everyone's people failed just, do you think people are just too scared of the too failure? scared now yeah there's yeah. there's a lot of um you need to drop you know the, the biggest killer in um uh, you know, or the most negative thing I ever saw in my my experiences in especially tax operations was ego. Yeah. You know, where I, I, that's my number one uh, ego and elitism. So yeah. people that think they're better than everyone 100%. else is like, dude, <laughs> you you choose to do this. Someone else could probably do your job better. Yep. They just chose not to do it. So yep. just don't look at the rest of society like they're not as good as you. Everyone's got their place in the world. Enjoy what you're doing, but don't you know think you're better than someone else because yep. you're not. Um. And that, and it's also the ego in the units where it's like, um, you know, there's a couple of units around the world that I've been around, and they they don't, um, you know, they won't sort of showcase their skills in front of the people. I, I should look at that as a weakness yeah. because what are you? You're not prepared to um, to do it in front of so so you can show the skill. I don't care if you make a is a is a, is a bit of a fuck up or something yeah. because that's natural. You know, if, if you if anyone in this room, are we perfect all the time? You know, in the delivery of a skill or or an activity, you know, you're not, you yeah. know, it's like making mistakes as part of life. And then, but yeah, so that, that, um, you know, whatever you're doing, you, you know, um, and it's, and it's business is a, is a perfect example of it. How many people, they look at someone and go, Oh, how lucky is that dude, you know, driving around and he's, you know, Mercedes got this big house and, and there's no luck involved no. at all. You know, he's taken most probably taken a massive risk invested everything into the activity and it's come off and and through hard work and but during that there's this fear of you know the the, the failure is you lose everything um you know so it's transferable in every part of life you you have to and i think a lot of there's a lot of problems at the moment in society where people are just not willing to because they're they're more worried about um you know and it's right to our um prime ministers and everything they, they don't actually don't stand by their true convictions on you know 
you know, in front of the media, yep. they're responding where they think it's going to make keep everyone happy. And yep. we're just like, that's you need to drop that shit and just yep. be authentic. Yep. People, people respect that authenticity. Do you yeah. think that that's – can you see that sort of evolution happening and can you see it um, in law enforcement and things with like the, the all the new graduates coming through and all that sort of stuff? Has Is there a change? Is there a change in, in society? Is there a change in mindsets compared to when you were going through yeah. all of this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is that a bad thing? Yeah, absolutely is. It's, um, don't get me wrong. There's fantastic humans right now across the board – in, in law enforcement in Australia. But um, I think where it's... They've been sort of let down by um, the support, you know, whether it's community support for... So, you know, if you look at Zach Rolf up in Northern Territory now, you know, I don't know if you've, you know the story, but, um, you know, it was very unfortunate. No, no one wants to kill someone when you're working. You, know, you go to... But in saying that, you know, as law enforcement, you go there and there is... You are representing society... As that sheepdog, it's like no, that behaviour is unacceptable. You need to be held to account for what you've done, and you know, and and sometimes trying to arrest them, things happen. So there was he was involved in a fatal shooting, and and he has not been. It's it's politicised, you know. So there's a politicised outcome going on right now up in Northern Territory, and it is just horrendous. So you know, it's a real wake up call to everyone in law enforcement around Australia. Um, because if I've looked at the – there was a documentary on it recently on Channel 7 and it shows all of the footage and it's just a no-brainer. It's like it's absolutely – you know, you don't want to say something's exceptional police work when someone gets, you know, killed, right? Yeah. But it, it is. It was exceptional police work. It's unfortunate that's, that that happened to someone, you know, um, but that was their choice, you know. They put themselves in that scenario and it's and – it's, so that's where I feel, you know – across the board in law enforcement, they're, they're, they don't get the support. that they're, um, So they have the confidence to go and deal with the problems in our community to, a, to its true sense because they're more worried about the consequences. Mm-hmm. You know, they should be worried about, um, you know, the, 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 the correct outcome, not... Yeah. And, and Med- what media is going to make of the yeah. situation. Media, after. yeah. So everything's politicised and that's, that's society now. It's like everything is just... Man, it's like... It's, it's, I find it just... It, it's sucking the life out of my bone marrow yeah. i don't watch the news Neither. watching our premiers the way they talk no. you know the whole thing is like there's you know uh, i know it sort of sort of drifted away from from the law enforcement but that whole mechanism on how society is functioning and um you know yeah they're, they're not supporting the judiciary so you know cops are you go around here and there's teenagers stealing cars they know who they are because they've done it heaps of times and the, the, the cops will put them before the court they get let down because the courts are like Oh, you know, poor Johnny, you know, and and that kid, yeah. well, you know, the, there's there's equal amounts of uh, young girls doing it as well, and it's really dangerous. You know, you saw the family get killed up in Brizzy, but um, the the they're not supported from that point of view. They're putting people before the courts, and this society's just got this. There is no um, uh, what's the word for it? Um, consequence yeah. anymore. Yep. You know, there's like. Yeah, I feel I feel like anything, everything will go through an evolution yep. of 360. I personally feel for the short 35 years I've been alive, this is one of the worst <laughs> I've seen, in, especially in reference to that consequence you're talking about. Even stuff like a, a couple of months ago, Joe Schilling, who's a unbelievable kickboxer, yep. had a guy that was mouthing off being racist to a waiter yep 
and then started mouthing off at him, yep. mouthing off at his friend, doing all this crazy stuff, mm. started being racist again, and then popped up in front of Joe Schilling and pushed him, and he just knocked him out. Yep. Knocked him out cold. <laughs> Didn't yep. think twice of it. He was just like, you're being a dick. Yeah. I'm knocking you out cold. And then walked away. He got hammered. Hammered. Like, he, he was just, like, attacked. And he was like, if that was your... if." your partner or whoever it was, son, brother, whatever, was being a waiter and was getting attacked racist, like at a getting racist remarks, what would you want to happen? Yeah. How can we just continue in this society without mm. there being any consequence? And it snowballs because something like that will happen. No one will check that person yep. and it just keeps going and going. You're so like, under money. And, and all of a sudden you're sitting there going, <coughs> this is out of control. Yeah. But because it's got to this point it's like it takes so much work to bring society back because of the media and the political crap that you're talking mm. about that it, it takes people like you, like Toonan and all those people to stand up and say, this is bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> everyone and needs to. Yeah, it, it takes – but it, it doesn't happen with the common civilian because they think it's the norm all of a sudden. Like They, they think this is a new world – where it shouldn't be no. it shouldn't be like that and the old saying is the um the standard you're willing to walk past yeah. is the standard you're willing to accept exactly mm -hmm. you know um and so that always plays in my mind it's and burned I, in my brain right yeah. now yeah yeah and I was, I was telling you about a little incident i had um just at woolworth right down at you know um local for us but um you know and a couple of like um they're basically they're all they're all uh, criminals in their own right but they're they're in there terrorizing the joint and like and it was I, I was probably the furthest away from where these young dudes were and they were like literally dropping c bombs at you know 50 year old Woolworths yeah. females and then a few people were telling them to you know they pull it in and then and it's like oh you know this is going to take me this is going to take me mentally hours to unravel yeah. if i don't if i go and speak to them because i know where it's going to go yeah. but it's going to take me days to unravel if i don't yeah. Yeah. you know because it's and then i'll walk past and go i should have said something because yeah. it's who knows what would have happened and well yeah. exactly you know something something bad could happen but also you know you, it's like okay you were just willing to walk past that because you couldn't be bothered sort of you know participate we're in a community yeah. anyway you know i saw you know, those guys you know our age that were or my age i'm a bit older than you boys um yeah were clearly pissed off but not intervening yeah. And I was like, nah, I can't. Like, so, you know, I intervened. But, you know, that lack of consequence, even he was so lippy, you know, the main, the two, he was three of them, and two of them capitulated straight away and realised, you know, oh, this dude's like quite large and he's <laughs> clearly committed to what he's talking about. <laughs> and But the other, the, the main, main dude is like just that, obviously that, just that right. mental, you know, just a crazy individual. And he, and he was trying to maintain his tough guy exterior yeah. and I was just, literally undermining it in verbally yeah. um but you know he's a product of no consequence 100%. you know 20 years yeah. ago it would have been you know the manager would have come over and go how come these three dudes are on the ground yeah. Yeah. And they go well they were called her yeah. a c-u-n-t yeah. and they go oh Makes fair enough sense. let's drag yeah. them out and put them outside and they and yeah. the cops will come in and actually it's funny that you say that and i'm similar in reference to there's very few things i actually have like personally no regrets mm. in life but the only things i think about that I still think about now is times even when I was a kid that I should have said something. Yeah. But I was just a kid. I didn't I didn't know my place. I didn't know what I, I was doing. Even like mid twenties, there was times that I can think back at and just go on, 
that was wrong. Yeah. I know like now as I've gotten older, I know it was really wrong. Yeah. But then I was kind of like on the fence. Like if I say something, it could put me in a position where I may not be looked at well in my place of employment or it mm. could push me down the ladder or whatever it may be. So I just like let it be. Whereas I think now maybe it's just the aspect of you get old and you're just like, nah, it, it has to be said. Um, mm. And also being around people that keep you accountable because you're not perfect. Um, yeah. But knowing that you've got the right people around you that will tell you when you're out of line yeah. um, and aren't afraid to put you in your place because a lot of people just surround themselves with people that just yes men. Yeah. Like they, they, they just get fed bullshit. Yeah all their life and they live a a complete delusional life that actually isn't reality at all. Yeah. Nothing worse. Something we talked quite a bit about off the podcast was um, like the lack of sort of like combative training that a lot of the law enforcement or say police force get when they come out um, on, on, on the field, I guess you could say. Um, and obviously there's, you know, there's probably a lot of people working on that. You've got the OPS guys as well that we were talking about with Ervo and Kiwi, how they're like cr- trying to create real life scenarios and, and um, for, for people to come in and do training and, and um, defensive training and all that sort of stuff, which is so cool and something that we want to support as well. Um, so like, what do you, what do you think about that? Because a lot of these, you see all the time on the media as well going back to that like you'll see police officers and you know we we're all we've all had some competitive experience so you can immediately see that that police officer has no control over the situation um and then a lot of the time because it's human nature it might just result to you know them just like throwing yeah big elbows or like throwing yeah. big knees on yeah. onto this guy and you're like oh you don't have to do that you only are doing that because you're in survival yeah. mode rather than knowing how to tie this this these guys up or whatever it is like um has there been any evolution in that um or or sort of has how do you see that playing out at the moment yeah i mean it's a the the, that question and 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 this discussion's been actually you know i'd like to think you know you know some of the activities we're doing were cutting edge and at the tip of the spear and no one's thought of this but you know, I'd read through. We did a, a use of force review on a certain on a on a, on a organisation here in Australia, Ervo and I. And um, you know, in that discovery period, you know, when we'll get just sort of looking through, you know, past reports and and then going and doing some, um, you know, we go and watch some of the training evolutions. I, 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 I was I was reading some of these documents from mid '90s where you know these um, instructors were saying the same thing we're saying now. So it's just, it, it's, it, you know, that the, the, the understanding of the, the gap has been there for a while. You know, we're not, um, you know, we're trying to, we're, we're at the point now where we're, you know, trying to influence those outcomes. But, you know, it's funny that it's been identified for, for literally all time. Um, and there's a bit of lethargy on organisations to, you know, it comes down to money really. Yeah. You, know, um, you know, the policing model realistically is not a... Um, uh, it's a broken model. It's it's not a really high functioning model. The military do so. If you, talk, if you go to the military, right? You know, it doesn't matter what section of you know um, of the military, whether it's you know the battalions or um, special forces. Um, you know, they're all super awesomely trained. You know, our battalions, especially you know the SF, you expect, but our battalions are just amazing in Australia, comparative to around the world. Um, yeah, the um, you know, so um, 
yeah, that um, the 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 type of training they do, they they'll do. Um, so the end state, you're going to go to Iraq. You know, go back a few years. They've 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 always had their training continuum. So they'll train, train, train. Then I'll go into um, a um, deployment training um, activity. So it'll go for whatever amount of time. Then I'll deploy and I'll do the and you know enact the skills in a in the operational context in a war zone that they've been trained to do. Then I'll come back to Australia and they decompress and they have that that space and then they go back into training and then so it's just this that cycle, right? You know, but when you're training, you're not oper- you're not halfway through today's training you're not going out and doing a yeah. operational task you don't get disturbed mm-hmm. you, you and you also get the decompression period so the the policing model's broken because there is no real decompression period there is no training period there's just operational focus you know um and it's and it's not a i'm not i can't pick on any organization in australia you literally go anywhere in, in the yeah. world they're suffering from the same outcomes yeah the only there is levels within the, the law enforcement where that's not occurring. So you've got like, you know, specialist units, they get pulled away from the massive amount of just rubbish job you know, not rubbish jobs, the the day to day stuff, the domestics are, you know, someone's had a car accident, all the all those um, things that cops, you know, turn up to and um, adjudicate on. Um, you know, so they get a bit of time to train. Sometimes they, they get busy. There's there's a skills degradation because even though you're operationally flat out the, the, the skills honing has been diminished because you're not spending yep. time honing those skills. Um, you know, the operational context doesn't really allow the same level of skills honing. Yeah. As, as it sounds weird, but... And, and then the decompression side of it, you know, I, I, I'd, be, I'd go from sieges where, you know, there was a high chance you're just about to, you know, kill someone or and it was this high-intensity um, events. <laughs> and then, and, then uh, and you might be there for three days. And then had almost no sleep over three days, and then next thing you know, you're going home, and you you sort of oh, I have to remember to get the milk on the way home. You know what I mean? Hell, and then so you wild. and then you're sitting in your lounge room, and you sort of got your your, your babies with you, and you but you sort of your mind's still somewhere else. Yep. And so there's no you know there's no real you know that decompression. There's no there's no so, so it's pretty wild, right? Yeah. Um. And then the training aspect is they don't really get any time to. You know, just okay. The next two weeks, you're just training. You know that doesn't happen. Yeah. You know they they might get put on some some um, some courses in in their career, but basically the unfortunately the, the probably the highest amount of um, skills that they would have is when they come out of the academy, and then it just um, even then, then the it ac- drops from even that then point. the academy is so quick, right? Yeah. Like, because um, we were talking about it the other day, where it was like, yeah, like you got to understand, you guys have been doing this for heaps of years mm. and, and building your skills but like if you're in you're going through the police academy it's a matter of months and then you're out on the street so it's yep. just like you know even with some sort of like supercharged intensive training it's still not yeah it's still not a whole lot whereas if you're in the military correct me if i'm wrong it just feels like you're there for a longer period of time you have the ability and the resources and the time and no distractions to hone your skills a bit yep. more. Well, um, Sel and I went to the barracks <coughs> up here not, not that long ago, maybe a year or two ago. Yeah. And they're having an MMA event in the barracks. Oh, yeah, yeah. And man, they were fucking talented. Like you, you guys up there that are world-class boxers, world-class kickboxers, jiu-jitsu guys, and they're all just um, obviously got the um, uh, Paul... Paul um, Kale? Yep, yeah. Kale's got his MMA event up there and they're all in their combative gear and vests and everything. And they've even got 
um, rounds where they've got knives or yep. you know things like that. And um, you it's know, gold, isn't having it? to, it's just awesome. But they're yeah. super talented. Yeah. So you're like, oh, okay, these guys can these guys can look up. Yeah. They're, they're, they're well trained. Um, but it's you know from our last discussions, it was like, what can we do mm. to support you know those going through the academy or um, you know becoming police to ensure that they're safe out on the field but then also they can control the situation. Yeah. It's almost like, for me, it's like you'd want to see a police officer be a blue belt in jiu-jitsu at least or oh, something yeah. like that. You or know, just like have, have the right presence. Yeah. Like we were talking about, I feel more than ever now that people are born into a certain characteristics or personality traits. The last thing you want to see when shit's going down is an anxious person. Yeah. Like people are fighting, some guy's on ice over there, another guy's <laughs> punched his missus and then this anxious, sweaty dude is just like rolling up, you're just like, fuck, he's going to make the situation worse. Yeah. Like, if you saw someone like Semps rolling up, <laughs> the situation is diffused before it even yeah. can escalate. But I, I feel it's almost like people are looking for what they're going to do in life and they kind of just see this stuff and they're just like, I wouldn't mind trying that out. Mm. Then they try it out and it's like not what they were meant to be doing. It's just... It's almost like our school slash uni slash trade thing is stuffed up because you just come out of school and like, okay, go into a career. And you're like, fuck, I don't know what I want to do yet. And then they're just like, oh, could be a cop. (laughs) And then the wrong person ends up in the wrong job, then ends up in the wrong place. It leads to an unfortunate series of events there needs to be some better screening process what, what can be done outside like we were talking about supporting like a law enforcement and um you know training uh thing at say for example programs, combat and, yeah. programs and then you know other other gyms could be encouraged to do it i know there's um some gyms that are headed uh, that are you know the coaches have have that background damian brown is a veteran so he'll naturally um has has discounts or offers to other veterans um, you know, there's other gyms out there um, who the coaches are police officers, so they're encouraging them. But I feel like most gyms should encourage some sort of program or offer that encourages law enforcement or even veterans who need to find a community to come in and find that safe place to hone their skills or build into the community or whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the um, I mean, you just it needs to be the done right, you know. Yeah. So you got the like you guys obviously articulate, and you and you have that understanding of, you know, how to trans how to transition someone that probably hasn't been struck before into, um, it's it's just all about challenging them, and and then like we were saying, sort of pre, give, having them as a pre combat veteran, when, you know, if you want to use that terminology. So yeah. when when they're out and they they're you know doing their day to day policing, you know, driving around, and they go to a uh, an incident. You want, you want them, like you're saying, to turn up confident, you know, actually I've got some pretty good skills and I, I know that I can, you know, withstand a fair bit. So, you know, I'm, I'm confident this scenario is going to play out um, successfully. And then there's more chance it does then because then the demeanour that they turn up with actually gets, um, you know, the, 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 the cues that they're emitting from their, um, their you know, uh, their the body. Energy their, and, yeah, yeah. The, the, the person they're going to talk to... Um, you know, may or may not um, recognise it, um, but on, on mostly they will. You know, yep. go okay, this guy is very confident, it's very calm, so he's either just doesn't see me as a threat whatsoever. So you know, that should be a bit of a warning cue for them as well. 
Um, and it also, you know, has a measured response, right? So if you're, if you're, if you're, as you know better than anyone, if you're undercooked and you don't have a certain skill base, you're, you're more likely to actually go over the top yep. with yep. your response because you, yep. you don't know how to, um, you don't know how to deliver it properly. Yep. You just go from, you know, zero yeah, to a hundred. Yep. And then if, if there's someone recording, it looks really bad. Yeah. You know, like, um, especially <laughs> when, when people record stuff out of context. Yeah. So they don't see the lead up of someone's behavior and most people would be applauding it if they knew the true story. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and the stress side of it as well. So, you know, if you're, if you're prepared and you're prepped and you're confident and you're, you're driving around, I think I was saying to you, the probably, you know, if, you, if it was someone, if it was an active shooter scenario going on right now somewhere, and Irvo was in one vehicle and I was in the other, our only stress would be that one of us would get there before the other, you know, and miss the opportunity yeah. to sort of deal with it. Um, or if you were really under-prepped, you would be nervous the whole way there. You go, oh, I'm not confident in the outcome here. I could get killed, you know, where it's like, nah, let's get there and, you know, and resolve this, this um, that, that scenario. It's, so that's so if you've, you've got people that are under-trained and undercooked, and that's happening all the time, you can imagine the... Um, you know, adrenaline spiking all day, every day. So as soon as they get a, a call, they go to somewhere and it's not entirely, they're thinking, oh, this could go bad. And it, so they're going to have this huge spike of adrenaline. If that's happening day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out, they might not have a huge critical incident that their organisation can focus on and go, wow, you know, Samson was stabbed and, you know, yeah, of course he's going to have PTSD, you know, or, you know, in that sort of mind frame. Yeah. Or when you've got this other dude who's been... Um, just expose these micro exposures over time that's hugely damaging to them as well so it's not just about you know how they um, respond to uh, a, a, a life-threatening incident it's how they're trained and able to deal with everything in between which uh, which protects them and their psyches because you know um, you know I think we've we've built this massive matrix and mainframe of um, you know, mental health issues that you, it's basically, oh, you've been doing that, you should have this, 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 you'll be, this will be wrong with you. Yeah. You yeah. automatically got a PTSD. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's bullshit, you know, and that's, you know, of course there's going to be um, people affected by it, but, um, you know, um, you know, if you look at it, the true PTSD, you need a critical incident and there's certain parameters involved that, sh- which, um, you know, they're, they're life altering and they, they're literally scarring yeah. brains, right? Um, you know, but these—it's harder to sort of detect with these micro, these micro issues. You know, where it's just up and down, up and, and you look through their career, they go, "Oh, well, they've never really had a," you know, tell me something massive that's happened to you. And cops in general will just see a lot of horrific stuff anyway. It's impossible to go through 10, 10 years of policing and not just see stuff that make the average person go, "You're kidding, right?" Um, it's just horrendous. But um, you know, the way that they can process it is a lot different if they have got that training. Um, unfortunately, the only way to really fix it is to have awesome training um, capabilities where they wouldn't literally need to increase their police services by 30% so that that, that 30% of their workforce is doing training. Like you yeah. guys, do you go, to a, do you go to, your, um, to a fight? There's a fight next, fight night next Saturday, right? Yep. Here on the Gold Coast. You know, um, do you turn up and have a, a fight at that, that fight night if you haven't prepared? No. Exactly. Right. <laughs> but that's what they're doing. Yeah. And it's like, um, you know, you know, it, it, experience isn't skill. You know, you, your, your experiences can allow, um, definitely affect the way a skill is employed. Mm-hmm. If you, if you, if you, but you have to have that skill embedded in the first place and employ it properly. Um, 
you know, um, unless you've got this, you're sort of naturally gifted, you know, yep. individuals that we all know that there's some freaks out there mm-hmm. that sort of sit outside that that model. But, um, yeah, I mean, the I think, you know, from, the, from that training point of view, there's a few barriers. You know, organisationally, they don't want to spend the money. And they and they've been getting away with it for everywhere, but they don't realise that a lot of these damaging. There's a lot of suicides, you know, in the in policing, like the military. Um, th- that needs to be addressed. But um, you know, they you know they they need to be doing more training. Simple yep. as that. And then the the effects of that that doesn't turn you, your your cops into tackleberry. Yep. That turns your cops into a calm, a person that you know, um, whether female or male, who knows what they're doing. Yep. Yeah. And they they walk into a situation they're calm they, they deliver if they need to they can ramp it up and respond in like to how the scenario is playing out and you know the for me the the biggest thing is their survivability you know hundred um, percent I think we should yeah. do something definitely we should organize something agreed man agreed anyway brother we could talk to you about so many things and I think that we will get time in the future to have many chats like this. And there's so many things that we can dive deep into. Yeah. This is just a little icebreaker yep. for for our our listeners yeah. and our combat fam. And um, they're going to be seeing more of you with us, um, with our new alignment with LE Gear. And uh, we're really excited about that. So there's more information or there's more exciting content and things coming out with all of that. But um, we'll leave it there. Is there any sort of like little words of wisdom or something that you live by or some message that you could give to our audience to, to leave them with today? What, what, what comes to mind? You know, at the end of the day, it's like appreciate what you've got around you right now. Just, you know, stop looking forward to the, the old I want. Stop chasing the want. You know, appreciate what you've got. Appreciate the people around you. And fuck's sake, just be nice to people. You know, society's lost that, you know, to a degree, you know, that ability to be non-judgmental and divisive, you know. Um, yeah, so just, you know, respect those around you, be considerate and enjoy the differences in other people, you know, and, and uh, that's what makes life exciting, right? So, yeah, that's pretty much my tip and, you know, you know, every day should be exciting, right? Before, just on that note, before we finish up, if, if there's one analogy I, I, I was talking to a group of school kids um, a few years ago and, it, and I was saying if, if it was a meteor coming to the earth, right, and it was, you know, like, what's that movie, Deep Impact? Yeah. It's going to take out the earth. We're all screwed. There's nothing you can do, you know. There's no missiles going up. It's done. And then for some – so you, can, you imagine how you'd feel. Fuck, I should have done this. I should have done that. I wish I hadn't tr- spoken to this person. I wish I'd spent more time with mum. I wish I'd done all these things. The, the I wishes would come out in a massive thing and then I, oh, I can't do this now. That's going to end next Tuesday. And then that some freakish nature, that, f- that meteor f- swings straight past Earth and doesn't collide and you wake up that morning. Like, how would you feel? Amazing. So why don't you feel like that every day? That's my question to people. Because you should. You know, that, that life, you know, so, you know, I mean, it sounds a bit fluffy, but that, that's the level of excitement you should have for your day-to-day, yeah. you know. But people don't. They're just like, everything's dreary. And you know, go, dude, like, really? Mm-hmm. Get in there and enjoy life and, yeah. and, like you guys, exceed, push each other, help each other. Anyway, that's my point. Sorry, I went a bit over, didn't I? Nah, man. Dr. Phil, but... Right. You can Dr. Phil all day yeah. on our podcast. We, we appreciate it, man. Um I know everyone's got a busy day. This is definitely by far 
the best thing me and Miles get to do all week. So mm, I was looking same. forward yeah. forward to it um, so much and it definitely delivered. So, man, looking forward to the fights next weekend with you. Absolutely. Looking forward to the world opening back up and being able to do more cool stuff all across oh, yeah. the country, overseas as well. Um, and, yeah, man, excited about the partnership and everything moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Thanks, Thanks brother. brother. Thank you.